Today's episode is brought to you by Swell CBD Oil. That's Swell CBD Oil, Swellian approved, Smivy approved. I use it for tons of stuff. I use it on the daily. It's good for head knocks, concussions, anxiety, uh, bringing down the inflammation and stress from you know working out too hard, surfing too hard, um, or just life in general when life has you stressed. And at the end of your tether, a couple of squirts of the Swellian Swell CBD oil is a uh, pretty good thing, a, a pretty good, just another tool to have in the tool belt to help yourself out along with the meditation and the Wim Hof and the ice baths and the yoga and the jujitsu and the, the workouts, whatever you got going, it's just a, another handy thing to have. Uh, jump on over to the Swell underscore Oz AUS Instagram page. Uh, send them a DM to book a consultation and they'll tell you the rest. That's swell underscore AUS. Type it into Instagram, jump on over, send them a DM and get yourself some swell CBD oil. Ain't That Swell presents Corbords. Today's episode of Core Lords features one of the all-time greats from the 2000s, uh, 2001 world champion, no less. He was an absolute maniac in the juice, racking up countless finals at Fiji, Chopes. Uh, he did 16 years at the elite level, an amazing career, and uh, all of it really um, the equal of what he was doing in free surf sections at the time. The whole time he was up there on the elite stage, dueling for world titles and top 10 finishes. He was also putting out psycho video parts in uh, Taylor Steele's films, Campaign. Um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Momentum Under the Influence. Uh, a bunch of Joe G's, Globe films. He was a real favorite of mine and, and a lot of people from my generation. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet him very early on in my career and just one of the real gentlemen, you know, a humble, super polite, well-raised guy. And uh, yeah, made a young 21-year-old Smithy on one of his first assignments feel very at home. And uh, to this day, I have the utmost respect for this man, an incredible surfer and a very kind and gentle human. Unless you've drawn him in a heat, in which case he'll want to pluck out your eyes, rip off your head and shit down your neck. He's an absolute maniac once the siren goes, but fortunately we've got him at a very nice time of the day. This is CJ. Clifton James Hopgood. Rise and shine, bro. Uh-huh. You guys. This is America ain't cool. No, oh, it's a brutal time zone. I haven't even had, even had my morning coffee, mate. I'm, uh, oh, yeah, look, I could switch at any moment and just start uh, howling obscenities at you, but we'll, we'll, we'll uh, push on. Yeah, you guys are hard workers, man. This is freaking, but you're doing a sick job, man. I tell you what, dude, it's fun. I was, uh, I don't have my finger on the pulse by any means, but I was stoked to see you guys in Melbourne freaking how Bell's sort of rallying the troops there, getting some getting some fun, putting some fun back in the no fun club. Oh, cheers, man. Yeah, the swelling army. Yeah, that was uh that was a sick day. Yeah, gotta bring it back, man. I don't know uh yeah, I don't know where all the, the kind of uh fan support went and surfing or I don't know if it was ever really there, having them uh big kind of fan groups they were definitely in every other sport here but 
Yeah, surfing needs it. Bit of color, bit of character. Yeah, no, you guys are uh, maybe single-handedly flying the flag there. So I, uh, I appreciate that. For <laughs> sure. Cheers, man. I think that's the only thing I remember from that contest. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was uh, not the best comp to be honest. I kind of, I think Toledo won it in a two foot rink on, and um, it was a bit of a bloodbath for all those. Yeah, your, your man Connor Coffin, that was when he actually dropped off tour. Yeah, no, it was it was the uh, you know the sort of friction. I don't say whinging, but just the friction between WSL and the surfers and and. And you guys, you know, having a good time. That's that's what I remember. So there you go. That's it, man. How you been? Bro, I've been good, man. Life has been really I mean, like it wasn't good for me, you know, in, in, in my in my prior seasons of life. Um, but yeah, man, it's been great, dude. It's been really, really good, sort of uh if you <sighs> I'm actually there. Like it takes like a solid five years, I think to actually go, um, you know, I can make it in the civilian world. Like I can make it life. I'm going to be okay. Life after surfing, if that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah. And then when you look back, it's kind of just like, Whoa, that was the, it looks like I had it made in the shade. Like it looks like I had it too easy, but it wasn't that easy. But I know from the outside, it probably does. Well, yeah, no, nah, man. I mean, I've I've talked to a lot of guys about this phenomenon transitioning out of their tour careers. I've spoken to Hedgie, Luke Munro, uh, you know, the guys that really kind of just slumped into depression after their careers ended, and it's pretty common across all sports. Uh, it seems just. Man, it, it, it's a jangling lifestyle you guys lead. Like, uh, you know, eight months on tour, um, you know, away from your your, your family uh, and friends for that whole time. I can't imagine how hard it is to cultivate any sense of normality during your career and then to transition back to civilian life where it's, you know, life in the slow lane and, um, you know, you kind of you lose all your purpose at, and it, you lose it at a a pretty critical point in life too, you know, like you, these surfing careers tend to end in your early thirties, which is a, a pretty like, man, it's a pretty angsty existential period. Your body's changing. You feel a lot different to your twenties and, um, mate, yeah. Uh, talk us through it. What, what, what was the, the hard part ab- about the transition? Well, I mean, you know, hindsight's obviously a little bit easier sort of, looking back excuse me um but you know what i noticed for the like one of the first things that left was i like i've always dreamed and like when you're surfing and you're sort of working out of your gifts you're always sort of like dreaming like you're just like whoa whether you're looking at the ocean or just walking through the day and then like when i when i got into you know just the um all the things that i wanted to do be home be with my family all those things it just boom i just like stopped dreaming it was like the funniest thing i was like how the hell do i get that back um and ain't no answer for that really but no i noticed that was one thing that happened and then i noticed um planes flying overhead excuse me um but i noticed another thing was when you're when you're operating out of your gifting, like let's say surfing or something you're good at, right? No matter how bad it gets, you know, you haven't won a contest in 
flipping five years or just whatever, right? You're you're calling home and you're going like, dude, only one win away. I'm one heat away, honey. Like no matter how bad it gets, you always have like this unicorn, you know, like needle in the haystack, like glass always half full. And then I noticed when I started doing other jobs that like I just, you know, I enjoy doing them, but I just wasn't good at it. Like it wasn't something I was really good at. And like, no matter how good it got, I'd always be like, Oh, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. I'm just going to mess it up. I'm just going to do this or that. And I was just like, why the heck am I thinking that way? I would never think that way. And when I was surfing or something. So I know, I just, I mean, I guess it's kind of laughable really, but it's just, it's funny to, to sort of look back and sort of compare it to, the way your brain and sort of, you know, mind works when it's, when you're doing something you're good at, right? Like you, you know, you're good at writing you're good at talking all those things. Have you ever done something like that? You're, you're really, really trying to do, but you're pretty, you know, crappy at it. It's, I don't know. It's a funny, different mindset. <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling for sure. I mean, it's just once you, once something is uh, corrosive to your confidence. Yeah. And, and, and you, kind of uh willingness to to really put it like i guess the other thing is to like if you're not super psyched on what you're doing which is fucking pretty much everyone in the the blue collar or just like working world like there's not many people who love what they do um it's pretty hard to like put in the effort to get good at it whereas you know something like surfing it's such a passion for you um you know you, you you're willing to work so hard at it and you've got such a clear objective in mind and that you're always pushing towards like there's just no room for existential questions and depression and that kind of shit to seep in because you're just so you're driving you're pushing you're grinding to get to a certain point but yeah once all that's removed yeah, life gets uh, complicated and weird and, um, you know, you start to get bogged down with, with the questions that afflict everyone that lives in the kind of consumer capitalist matrix. Um, it tends to produce pretty dire mental health outcomes if the uh, uh, amount of, you know, pharmaceutical drugs being consumed in America and Australia is any gauge. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, dude. Um, killed more than every every war put together more than mosquitoes wow mosquitoes killed a lot of people (laughs) no i don't know i'm sort of making i'm making that stuff up but i'm sure it's it's right up there 100 um no that is a good point right because you know you should have taken on the world and you you got this you know this grandioso um and then you know as opposed to a a job where but no i mean i mean i i i mean even when i was at the trade show a couple weeks ago um doing the salty crew shuffle uh they're like oh, how's it going i'm like literally guys my job is to enjoy life and i'm enjoying it <laughs> like it's and i know that sounds like so you know well whatever people don't want to hear that but like i mean it i i'm grateful to get to the place uh, i'm at is sort of the answer to the the long-winded answer yeah well i mean that's good to know man because you you were a a surfing legend you're a world champ um you know you're you're right up there with the greatest free surfers of your generation you know incredible punt game like full-on aerial innovator crazy calves crazy in the juice um and i like the idea that our top athletes get looked after when their career ends and they get to stay close to the the culture and the, the sport that made them 
talk to us a bit about Salty Crewman. Like, um, how did it start? How did your involvement come about? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if it was something. I don't know if I felt like. I think. I think the reason why I do enjoy where I'm at right now is, you know, all those things you just described. Thank you. Um, I, I almost don't even know that person anymore. Like, I, I, it's really it's really that removed, but I, and I say that in a very, very healthy way. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm just, I've gotten there. So I'm, I'm just still, sorry, these pains are loud, bro. Uh, not um, too bad. Okay. The, um, but yeah, I think, you know, like when, when I'm hanging out with people and we'll sort of talk about other seasons of their lives and, you know, and I'll be like, Oh man, that was gnarly. And, you know, and they'll be like, Oh, I don't even, know that guy anymore and i'm like oh, i can relate like i don't i don't really feel so much but i you know i don't know how i i think i think surfing you know definitely is taking care of me and and all that stuff but i mean i don't know i think another thing is is you know hard work helps out a lot too <laughs> i don't i don't mind digging the ditches or doing the hard work for sure i mean i was i was booking appointments um as a sales rep uh, you know, before my quarterfinal heat with, with Medina, um, in this, in December, uh, was it 2015? Um, so like I was, I was ready to hit the road. I was, I was, you know, so I went just doing sales in between tour events. Um, so yeah, I knew that was going to be my life and I knew that's, I knew I was going to work really hard, you know, or give give it my best, um, to do that. And I went straight into sales and did sales rep for Florida. And then, um, and then it started growing, you know, getting bigger and I was like, all right, I only want to do North Florida. Someone take over South Florida. And then it got bigger. And then, yeah, just along the way, as it got bigger, I was like, let's put people in here that are really good because I, I, I can shoot the shit, but I'm not good. You know, I'm not spreadsheet guy crunching everything. And I didn't really, I didn't did feel like that was my dream. And then I sort of, you know, went, went over to just so now i mean it's just shaking hands kissing babies so man it's 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 a good it's a good gig i'm sorry i don't really tell it too much here but man crazy to think to uh just mentioning that your career ended your tour career ended in 2015 that's 16 years at the elite level that's insane man including a rookie of the year in 99 and a, a world title in 2001 like man that's a long career yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good it was a good run. There's no questions about it, man. And I can't and to be able to have a run at, at something, you know, like sports or whatever, and come out the other side and just be able to, you know, to function and not blow it up every second, you know, or around every corner. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just stoked I got on got out the other side. But um, no, it was it was a great run, man. And honestly, dude, it was like. It, I mean, could you pick a better time to be a pro surfer, you know? Mm, yeah, there was a lot of money kicking around. I mean, and the waves were good. Yeah, the dream tour fully in effect by then. And, man, it's crazy too. I was just looking at the names that you competed against, like the generational shift from the time you got on tour in 99 to the time you left tour. It's so crazy. Like you come on tour in 99, you're up like Oki wins his first world title. You got a front row seat for that. Uh, and then, um, you know, that crazy come come back from the dead world title and you know you're up against like Sonny Garcia and uh and then you, you 
you fast forward like uh and, and like fuck, i don't know like shay lopez and uh who else was like gil herme hurdy and like a bunch of like kind of like neko patarats pedersen rose like these kind of old school like it's, they feel like kind of dinosaurs compared to when your career ended and you're up against medina john um geordie smith you know like how was it like what was the difference between the guys when you got on tour uh as a rookie versus like that new generation could you was there a really noticeable shift in in demeanor and attitude and and just the way they kind of uh i guess they're a lot more professional or kind of clean skins at least uh in that next generation yeah, a lot, a lot did change, man. It was, it was now that I'm sort of giggling right now that you sort of say that. I mean, I was in Japan and lost to Damien Hardman and, and I was start, I, I wanted to cry. I'm like, my, my effing dad just beat me. Like, what, what am I even doing on this tour? I'm, I'm a kid, you know, and, was, and he just whacks me. Like it was like a stroll down to check the waves. I was like, okay. Um, and then you know, and then it was freaking, you know, Mark Bannister, Shane Weiner, um, obviously Michael Lowe. Um, I mean, there was like an Aussie. And, and I remember when I, you know, I finally made a couple heats my first year on tour in Tahiti. Um, and at that point, it was like, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, if you can't beat these Groms, then scare the shit out of them. You know, tell them you're going to kick their ass, start, you know, trying to fight them. And, um, yeah, and I I love that stuff, man. I remember, you know, Schmuka wanted to rip my head off, Campbell wanted to rip my head off, like, I, and I really, Sonny, all these guys, like, I, I really love that. Like, I love that part of like, fuck, these guys wanted so bad, but it also showed like that I I had what it took. You know, it was it sort of confirmed with me that like you might be able to hang on this tour because if those guys wanted, it was saying like, oh, they want to fight me, then they obviously think. I'm a, I'm a threat, you know, like I, and so I took it at really good stuff and I was really enjoyed that part of the tour. Um, and like you said, I did have, I have a front row seat to Aki's, um, world title. Like, I, I mean, where I, I mean, between me and my brother, it felt like it's sort of like we had a, we still have a relationship with Aki to this day, uh, because of that, just watching him, I lost him in Tahiti and I think it was because I was so in awe and then, that sort of sparked the like, oh my gosh, Aki can win it, dude. I was like there in Brazil, like every step, but like it just, so that was, yeah, that's my tour life started with, you know, surfing against Pat O'Connell and um, Ross Williams doing tour with him, Shane Beshin. Um, that's crazy. You and, surfed against Ross and then you surfing against the kiddies coaching. Yeah. John. No. And then. You got a 10 against him I in your last comp at Pot. We sort of always, but I felt like our generation always sort of sat a little bit in between, um, you know, we had the momentum generation, then you had the lost generation and then, and then you just had us where it's like, all right, if, 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 if they invite us to go film, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever. I right? will be part of any movie they want to be a part of. Um, and, uh, but no, it was cool, man. It, it really was a good time. You know, the internet didn't really start kicking off, um, until, you know, around about that time. I mean, when I was on, I remember, I remember winning my first QS and had $8,000 in my pocket and no one knew I won the contest at home. Like no one had any idea that 
um, I, I won a five star and was going to make the tour, you know, like I literally had a call home and I had time before my flight and I was like, Hey, can you bring me to the mall? And I remember I was like, shit, did I get eight grand in my pocket? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and I know that's not a lot of money, but for a kid that was, you know, 17, 18 years old, like I was like, Whoa. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's the difference, right? That's the sort of, I was just, I was more saying that to sort of paint a picture of, how it started and and obviously how it ended was was quite quite different getting beat by i got beat by medina at bells i mean not bells i got beat by medina when he was like 15 maybe 15 years old dude at 13th beach and he was like a wild card wow um yeah wow. i got beat by lisa anderson at huntington beach out you know i was probably one of the first persons to get beat by a female what were the circumstances of that? It was like this, um, it's like they used to do the Caton challenge and stuff like that. Um, uh, and there was this contest and, uh, yeah, I like needed a wave and I was like, I'm not going to get this wave. <laughs> no, nothing's coming. Um, but, uh, I guess I say that and, and I'm saying that because man, I got beat by, all kinds i got beat by royalty when they were young and old and everything else right <laughs> what about um man in those early days like who really served you up like give us a uh <laughs> an iconic uh kind of just blow up you copped from one of the, the apex predators or, or just anyone on tour at that time that really kind of lodged in your psyche a bit of early tour ptsd uh you know what rattled me is like I felt like I could surf up really good. Like when someone was better than me, I was like, I was all about it. But, and I really, you know, I felt like I was a humble guy. Like I felt like in my heart of hearts, I was, um, you know, I wasn't cocky or whatever, but like if it, if it entered my brain that I thought I was like a little bit better than somebody, bro, I would lose. I remember surfing against rain and Rilke and great guy, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I would just cry. I was like, wait, how, how do I, how do you lose to someone you're better than? Like, how does that even happen? Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers the question, but man, I would, it would rattle me to lose against people that flipping, that it just shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, <laughs> I remember a similar, similar story with Mick, actually. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was like Pedersen Rosa or, or, or Neko was his kind of bogeyman early on in his career. Uh, you know, had obviously all the natural talent in the world, but couldn't get past a, a Brazilian grinder who was, uh, you know, just a, a mm. competitive firebrand and, and just ultra savvy, ultra consistent competitor. I mean, those guys can, you know, they put up a couple solid scores early and turn the screws on you. And when you're young uh yeah it's easy you know to not have the the mental fortitude to be able to deal with that that pressure from a seasoned campaigner who doesn't give a fuck who you are yeah and and i mean that was a cool time right there i mean those those brazilians were it was i mean even i mean even victor rebus man the quietest guy on tour man like they would i mean they would burn you on free surfs just to like get under your skin and they would i mean they were always on their game dude they were always gonna just like you always had to be like this guy will freaking want to fuck with you whenever when you're not even thinking about it just to sort of you know remind you that they're 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 here for it um which was cool i mean i like that shit i enjoyed that stuff i think that was that was part of the fun 
Um, but yeah, so what, what was the question again? Sorry. Oh, I just like, off. I'm, I need to answer your question. Oh, no. I mean, that's just the nature of these things. But <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I was asking just like, who was it that, that, re- that you remember really served you up, like that really gave you a spray in a heat or even like in a free surf? I'm always interested to know from those early days, uh, you know, how you were treated by some of the top dogs when you were a rookie and, and who really fucking, who really put you in your place? Um, I mean, honestly, I think towards the end of my career is when it like was when I was really getting served up because I was really like, wow, I just surfed as good as I could surf. I felt like, and I got, you know, would get like two eights and then Medina would get like a nine and an eight. Like I, I had, Towards the end of my career, man, I could not beat Medina. I could not have a good enough heat. I could not. I surfed as good as I could, and every time I'd go up against him, I'd be like, "That's why you got to retire. That's why you have to retire." That I just—that was my theme when I surfed against Medina. Was just like, "That's why you have to retire," um, because he was just clearly so much better in every facet, you know. Yeah, and also interesting to note to uh, you know just talked about the generational shift like you know you were a product of a a pretty like staunch era as you were saying you know people burning you in free surf some people like trying to fight you routinely (laughs) in uh heats and whatnot and then as you kind of uh went through the the generations and you you start coming up against your kolohes your geordies um and and your medinas your johns like you've carried on that that same aggression in heats it was funny uh watching you film the other day that you know like kolohe and and geordie are just tripping on your aggression in heats they're just going like fuck what is this guy on he's like blowing up and splashing the water and stuff but um you know medina like that guy is like i feel like he was just a born competitor like he's never been faced by that shit he's just he's there to win he doesn't care who you are even as a, as a young young man on tour um just it seemed like the occasion just never got to him it didn't really matter who he was up against yeah i mean when you got that many sort of tools and weapons um I imagine I probably wouldn't get phased either, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's almost like Damian Hardman esque where it was just like, so, but the guy just had so many tools, man. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I would blow up because when I would freak out and just lose my mind, I instantly, I didn't think about surfing when I would, you know, fly off the handle. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't think about my next wave. I wouldn't think about, I would just, all I was thinking about was like how hard I can do my next turn and how hard I can do my next turn. So I was like, so I would always find ways to run off different fuel. I would always try to find ways to put a chip on my shoulder. I would always try to find ways or like, where I would just tell myself people are dogging me. People are, you know, the, 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 you know, even when someone wouldn't say a word, I'd be like, this guy just disrespected you. Like I would just freak out, you know? Um, That, and that's that's just kind of the the fuel that I needed, man. I sort of, uh, you know, when when I ran off that stuff, that's that that there good stuff happened, right? You know, um, and however you got to find it, but obviously towards the end of my career, I had trouble finding it <laughs> for a while there. Towards the end, <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, let's get into a few of your career highlights. Obviously, um, yeah, ninety nine, uh, 
a massive year for you. I mean, well, in terms of just, you know, you qualified for the tour, you get rookie of the year, you didn't have a, a super epic finish. Like, I think you're pretty, pretty middle of the road, but a rookie of the year. And then two years later, you win a world title. But like, you know, yeah, Jeb, actually that year was, so I should, you know, rookie, my rookie year, I show up to Oz. They, they were going to have the contest on the Gold Coast or Burley, you know, whatever. The waves stink. So we go up to Corumbin, and I lose I lose to Pat O'Connell first heat. I forget who was in my other heat. I get, I get last place. And then we go over to Sydney, and I lose to Chris Davidson. Last place. So two last places. Then we head over to Bells, and I actually had a good heat and, you know, Maybe you could have made a, a a pretty strong point that I should have should have made it, but I didn't. I got another last place. Wow! So I was going into Tahiti, going, "You'll never make a heat on this tour. You're not cut out for this, right? Um, your dream is just going to, um, you know, just just fall apart right here, man. Like you'll be lucky if you ever." And then I go to Tahiti, and um, the waves are, you know. There, there was really good waves and it, I sort of forgot about all that. And I ended up going all the way to the finals. And so the first time I ever made a heat, I got, I got to the finals and then basically I just held on with 17 places the whole rest of the year. And then I get to Brazil and I have to get a ninth place to requalify. I haven't really backed myself up. Um, and I had Conan Hayes, and it was backwashy Rio. And I'm like, all right, here it is. This is, this is what you got to do. And um, I ended up, I ended up making that 17th down heat. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was just coasting, you know, I think people remember Tahiti and just goes, yeah, it was just, you know, smooth sailing. So it was, there, there was, there was a point where I, I clearly didn't think I had what it took to, to be on that tour. Yeah, that's crazy. That that rookie of the year award's often pretty misleading. It, it depends at how the other rookies went that year. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Dude, I might have been one of the only rookies, man. Like, I, I don't even think there was any <laughs> anyone else. True. I mean, if I barely qualified and got rookie of the year, I mean, clearly, if there was a couple other rookies, if there was, they, you know, they didn't qualify. I'll tell you that. Wow, that's remarkable. Three thirty thirds in a row in your rookie year. Oh my god, the, the confidence must have been. Uh, absolute rock bottom. It's amazing that you were able to dig yourself out of that far out. What was the, do you remember what the mental talk was like uh, at that point? I mean, it was, I mean, that's six losses in a row. You go to Australia and you lose six times. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. Right. Um, and, and it's a long leg. Right. Um, and you're a kid, right. So everything is sort of seems bigger than it is probably, you know, and, um, yeah. And I was, was traveling without my brother and, you know, and obviously everyone was going pretty hard. So obviously you could, you know, forget about some of the losses, um, drown your sorrows, but man, it was tough, dude. And it was tough. And then I was, and then, but no, I think it, I think Tahiti excited me. And I think, a, I think, you know, I think if you look back on my career, that's kind of what it is anyways, you know, it's Fiji, it's Tahiti, it's pipe. And you know, that's, kind of all it is really <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh you and your brother damo had like 10 finals between you at fiji and chopes fucking amazing record when did that um like aptitude for heavy 
Pacific slabs uh, begin to develop. Like, I mean, you're from Florida, uh, but, you know, you look at the Floridian surfers, you've got uh, yourself and Damo, Kelly, Corey Lopez, Shay Lopez. I mean, between the five of you, far out, you guys have racked up some of the most monumental waves at uh, Chopes and, and, and Cloudbreak and, and even uh, at Pipeline. I mean, how do you explain that? I mean, for you personally, like, how do you explain that? And, and when do you feel like your, your form in that kind of surf uh, began to develop? Yeah, I think it was probably just a matter of the ocean has a funny way of like knowing who wants it really bad and who maybe does want it, doesn't want it. You know, like, you know, when, so whenever you, I guess just to, you know, put a sort of uh, words to it, which is be like the person that wants it the most normally does pretty good. And the other guy that's got the skills to do it, but he might not like with everything in his being want a really, really, really good wave or a bomb or whatever it looks like, you know, not that they won't get it, but just the person over, over a period of time that wants it the most normally ends up coming out top. And I think when we would go to those events, we just really, really wanted it. Like we were like, we'll, we'll die. Like anything we can do, we, we, we want this. Um, we don't want the deepest barrel. We want the biggest wave and whatever we got to do. Um, you know, a lot of times we would come in and they'd be like, dude, you need to dial it down. Like, leave Sean Briley on the beach and go out there, Jerry Lopez, because you guys are just going to kill yourselves. Like slow it down, you know? Um, Cause that's how bad we, we sort of wanted it in those, in those conditions. Um, and I think that's what equaled, uh, you know, success. Do you remember a particular session or, or a turning point? Like um, when you, you felt like you could do it in those kinds of waves. Like, um, I mean, talk to us about your kind of, introduction like those those first few sessions at uh I, I guess chopes in particular you had an incredible record there including like you know paddling one of the the greatest waves of all time out there um uh, yeah like talk to us about just getting used to that kind of energy it, it's so intimidating especially for a guy who's grown up surfing uh you know small sand bottom beach breaks yeah, I think there's just a point when you're a kid where you just, you don't really, I mean, you know when your kid's doing something dumb and you're just like, dude, you can't like jump out in front of cars, right? Like, but they don't have this, they don't have a, a measuring stick on like how dangerous crap is. And I think the beauty of it was like, I wanted it and I didn't have a clear like measuring stick of like how dangerous it was most of the time um, mm. until I got older. And I think that was the beauty of it. I mean, I remember when we would go and, you know, we'd stay at Jerry's house and um, we were, we were at pipeline from like 15 years old, like surfing there every day. And I remember like, we'd be groms and we're like, ah, kind of doesn't look that big. And we'd paddle out at like whatever spot. And we would just be, me and Damo, we look at each other like, dude, go in, whatever you can do, just try to get back to the beach. Um, <laughs> because like until the wave was breaking in front of our face that it was like 30 feet we were like okay we should go in like this is like but the, and i only say that because we just really clearly didn't have um a great uh understanding of the the consequences which is which is why we were able to i feel like go out in these conditions you know everyone's like what were you thinking or like was it did it look that big it didn't really feel that big i mean kind of was a nice one like we were we kind of were heads in the clouds a little bit 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think they... frontal cortex and it's uh in the it's like a p at this at the front of the brain and it hasn't fully developed until you're 25 so kind of explains a lot especially uh watching that back, back door shootout the other day and and what was uh man there's like uh, those japanese kids i think uh was his name fucking kenshin matsunaga guy was like 16 uh and just sending it at pipe uh, <laughs> like fucking mind melting man like uh yeah, it, uh, yeah, far out. It's um, it's a young man's game until it isn't, and you end up, you know, freaking very bad. Yeah, no, you need not, you need nine lives for sure. And I, I mean, I, I remember like sun going down and it being too big a pipe all day, and then all of a sudden it like drops like a foot, and you're like, dude, I think we can get out there. No one's out, you know. And I, I remember looking at some of these slides that I had in my attic and I was just like, fudge. I'm like, no one around, no one even freaking knows. And it is just ding donging. But you're just like, I might be able to go surf pipe with no one out. And it's like getting dark, you know, but you just got to go out there and get one. So it was a little bit different times, but it, you know, I guess not too much different. But yeah, like you said, dude, sometimes the, the younger kids don't have an, you know, a full understanding of like, they know it's big, they know it's dangerous, but not like a full understanding of like that way. It was so much more massive than the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, talk to us about that wave I mentioned at Chopes. It's, it's, it was an iconic wave. It was, uh, I think it was in a campaign film. It, it was just in on the, the back pages of a million different surf mags. It was a globe ad. Um, and it was man for the time, uh, and even now, it fully stands up. Far out it is such a big, heavy like the the lip on it is so surreal. I mean, did you talk to us about that session and and just like committing to a wave like that? It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, there was a part of that where like you knew it was big, but like maybe didn't fully grasp it. But for me, you know, definitely for that session, it was just like I can't paddle back to the boats. Like it kind of kept getting bigger and there was more jet skis that were coming out. So there was less waves that, um, the tow guys weren't on. Um, and I was like, I, I want to go in, but I can't paddle to the boat. And I'm like, dude, these waves are rideable. Like if one comes in and I just made up my mind, I just said, if one comes in, the tow guys aren't on it and no one paddles for it, I'm going, you know? Um, and, I, I it was so there was a lot of premeditation um that had sort of already happened so um and then it just happened to let me in right i mean all like then it becomes out out, out of your control like that just happened to be a perfect way that had the perfect amount of south the perfect amount of west and i was right in between those two spots on that wave which allowed me to take off you know probably a foot one way or a foot one a, a, another way i probably don't 
probably doesn't let me in, you know? So there, it's just, there, it, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's how many, some of all parts that is, but it's like wanting it, making up your mind before it happens. And then just getting really lucky, dude, getting really, really lucky. Yeah. And probably helped having Damo a couple meters inside you having a sniff at it too. Yeah. I mean that like the, you know, sort of when I told the story, I, I had premeditated everything in my head, but the only thing I didn't premeditate was my brother being right there, you know? And what I didn't premeditate obviously was like, well, if I know one's going on this way, but if he sees I'm going, then he's going to go. And I was like, Oh crap. Let's put a monkey wrench in my plan here. <laughs> <laughs> Man. It's interesting that you, uh, yeah, it, it was like, that wave was a tow wave, like basically by the standards of uh, when it went down, like it, it looks like a tow wave, you know, it was, but it, it, it does have that, that little kind of, you were in the perfect spot for it. And the knifing, the drop on it is like, it's the longest, tallest drop I think I've ever seen anyone paddle at Chopes. It seems to just stretch out and go forever. I, I can't, I can't remember anyone having just that length of time before they get to the bottom of that wave it's usually like you know you stick it under the ledge and, and get barrel but that thing was like more like a, a pipe i remember it was like i don't know how big that wave was you know clearly it was going what was going on behind me i couldn't really see but i remember the drop being so much longer than any other drop i was like dang that drops a, a long time to get to the bottom you know yeah and uh, what were you riding that day? Like, look like a. I was riding a six ten. Wow, six ten. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which you don't. No one even rides a six ten. Everyone's on six fours out there. Fully. Yeah. Um, no one thinks about that. Man, and let's get into the world title year, uh, two thousand and one. What were the big turning points um, in that world title run? Um. Well, like, talk us through the year, I, mean, I guess. Well, every, you know, every time I'd sort of make a run, I'd be like, dude, I just got to do really good in Oz because I was the back end of the year guy. I was the middle of the year guy. I was, I always started slow, you know, I mean, go back to 1999. Like I always started slow. Like Oz always kicked my ass and I can never get out of Australia without having good events. And I got third at Bells and I think maybe a quarters at, the Goldie or something like that. But I, anyway, I came out of Australia with a really strong start. And I was like, all right, dude, if there's ever a year you're going to put it together, it's having a good start in Australia, you know, and literally all you got to do is all you got to do is, you know, go par for the course, which you've sort of always done through these other events. And then you know, um, make a few heats at J Bay and then you, you'll set yourself up. You do pretty good in Europe and then you, you'll finish strong and, and pipe, you know? Um, and that's, that was the mindset. That's the way it was. I came out of Australia, like I said, with a third and a fifth, everything was out par for the course. Um, you know, semis and stuff like that. I, I got a quarters at J Bay. So I was like styling. Um, and, and then I think it was, you know, and then nine 11 happened and then it was like the runway, into um into france and portugal and all those things and then we were gonna you know finish up in in hawaii so um yeah i felt like i was i was right there and there's a lot of other people that were right there too as well and um well i think you know i went to i ended up going to france that year um to have that reef event 
um, during, uh, I think it was in October when, um, when they canceled all the contests and it was some of the best France I've ever had, you know, I ended up, uh, doing good and sort of winning that contest. And, um, it was a pretty, it was actually a pretty cool comp contest. It was like really fun ways. Um, and then, yeah, and then it basically just the wheels fell off in Hawaii, right, at sunset, and it was uh, it was done and dusted. And then um, everyone else just, you know, fell apart. Like, I mean, uh, of course I fell apart to the max, and then everyone else just fell apart around me. And, um, yeah, this was sort of the last man standing, really. It wasn't – I don't know if it was – I don't know if it was eventful or entertaining or just like, this sucks, like turn it off um, sort of deal. I don't know what that, that was sort of my experience, but I don't know what other people's experience was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my experience of it is that it was just a, a fully deserved world title for one of the greatest talents um, of his generation. And I understand, I, I feel like I've read a tracks contest report at the time where it was like, you were actually kind of bummed that uh, you were bummed that, the circumstances that gave you the world title, like you kind of weren't necessarily frothing that all these people lost, um, that could have won the world titles. Almost like you, you were almost like, uh, had a, a bit of shame about winning it in those circumstances. Do you still feel like that today? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the way I lost it at sunset, it, it did sort of, it did help down the road that I ended up winning, uh, an event at sunset. Um, that, I forget what Olympic. What do they call that? What do they call sunset? The, they call it the was it the World Cup of Surfing or something? Yeah, I think it's the World Cup. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, to, so I so to be able to win at sunset when the waves were really good sort of like helped me get over that hurdle, you know, because I had never, you know, it was one of the few years that they ended the ended the tour at sunset. They normally don't, right? Um, and, uh, so yeah, that, that, that helped me out a lot. Um, and then, you know, then probably the thing that eluded me the most is pipeline, right? That's the, that's, that was the thing I wanted most and cared about most. And, and I never got, and I never got it. Um, and I think, and there, and, uh, and a triple crown, like I really would have loved to, um, I really would have loved to walk away from surfing with those, but that never happened. And those were some of the things that, that I wanted the most. And, and that's just the way it works. Yeah, man, you might not have won a pipe masters, but far out, you had some crazy waves out there. I remember there was an event in, uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was. It was either 99 or 2000. I think, I think it was the year Lowy got that 10 and it was all time. Oh my gosh, it was, it was so good. Oh my lord. And you have one of the great claims. You, you get blown out of this thing so hard and you have like you do like the bleeding <clears throat> the bleeding eye claim where you just like the, the backdraft must have just stung your eyeballs so bad and you come out <laughs> pointing at your eyes. Do you remember that? I don't even remember. But I just remember the way it's being so good, man. I remember um yeah, it was it was I was a uh, pretty iconic year, Machado, Lowy, the conditions. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that one sticks out. That's a pipe that sticks out for sure. I, I don't know. I didn't. I don't think I did. I had a couple good waves. I had a good heat with Shane Dorian. I think that year, sort of the highlight. Um, but I don't know how far I went. But uh, but yeah, that, that that was fun, man. But no, I never. That's the, you know, there's certain things that like you want in life, and, and it, it'll lose you. You know, and. and no, no one's removed from that. I don't think. 
Man, uh, I was chatting to Vaughn yesterday and he was telling me uh, this hilarious story. Uh, you've got this amazing comical heat with D'Souza at, at restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> Talk us through that one. That was funny, man. I just, I don't, I don't know. He probably remembers more than I do, but I just remember that it was like, it had nothing to do with surfing. Like we are basically just like, we were just going to stuff each other. We were just like, F you, F you, F you. I'll paddle you around this island three times. And, you know, he said the same thing back to me. F you, F you. I'll paddle you around this island four times, you know? <laughs> we were just, we were so high. You couldn't even take off on the waves. Like, we were just doing crap. It was just, it was it was kids just being freaking fighting over a toy or something <laughs> and it was it was cooking restaurants right oh. there it was a little slow you know sometimes you have some heats where it'll it'll slow up for a little bit i mean it was cooking restaurants i think that heat was ended up being a little bit slower for waves so there wasn't a lot of them um but yeah it was it was a dog fight man and uh and he he looked that was the game he wanted to play he needed to dog fight right and um and I needed waves and, and, and not a lot of waves came through. So I had to, I had to go into the, uh, he drew me into that style of, of fighting and, and, um, it almost worked out for him. I think so. Um, I think I made that heat. Did he win or did I win? No, oh, I can't remember. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. I just had this image of, uh, the Sousa paddling you up, like up and down the reef, not letting you catch a wave. And it's freaking just fine. Like there's just sets rolling through like your dream scenario, like stand tall left pits. And, uh, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, I mean, he's up against it in a situation like that. So you gotta, you gotta, uh, dip into the, the kit bag of dirty tricks. Yeah, I just remember taking the boat right in, and I don't. I remember yelling and freaking out on the boat, but I don't remember if I was freaking out because I lost or because I won. I that's, that's one thing I remember. <laughs> Man, and uh, I mean, you're also front and center for the whole Andy Kelly rivalry. Like, um, I mean, like, did you pick a side? I mean, you're a Floridian. Like, uh, were you? What was the the relationship like with um with, with Kelly in those days? <laughs> The I vividly remember there, stop, buddy. I vividly remember it was a final at Cloud Break, and we were in the hut watching. We didn't go, we weren't out, we were in the hut watching. And I remember I looked it over at Pat O'Connell, and Andy was just on another stratosphere of this contest. I think he had Corey comboed in the finals or something. And I remember looking at Pat O'Connell, and I'm like, Pat, dude. Kelly ever dominate as hard as Andy's dominating right now? And he was like, no, CJ. I've never seen someone dominate on this level to this magnitude. I don't know. You know, certain things just kind of stick with you. And I always remember that. Then um, Pat saying that to me. Hmm. That was kind of a grom. I think that was a, maybe not a full grom. But um, so, there, you know, there was a point where you could, you know, a clearly – you know, there was, I guess that's just the, you know what, you know what bums me out the most is we're getting robbed. We're getting robbed of John, John Florence and Gabriel Medina going crazy. Mm. We're getting robbed of that rivalry. I mean, here we have two people 
at the height of their existence and they're and i don't want to say they're over the hill or they're bagging it in but like dude we haven't had one rivalry between those two mm. when have we had like heats man and i'm just going like what like as a fan of surfing that i want to be entertained like what a disappointment man like what 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 a tragedy man like the fact that you know we got to see andy and kelly go head to head like we did was i mean imagine if you know i don't know two fighters that you can think of that just never fought you know or someone that never played each other mm. you know um I don't know. I'm kind, you know, kind of. No, it's a good point, man. A little. I mean, they've like John's had so many injuries, um, and yeah, it's it's poor thing. For they've, sure, they've both been kind of uh just just zigging and zagging each other. It feels like, and also like it's a different generation. Like I don't know, it's I don't know if there's like a, a an extra layer of um gentleman kind of conduct in, in the modern age i mean what was it like um being you know front and center for the the andy like kelly dynamic was that, that that seemed from afar to be to be so intense and like very intimate and personal i feel like today there's like a lot more kind of uh i don't know uh like team managers and there just seems to be like this extra layer of professionalism that kind of prevents those like blood feuds from <laughs> happening yeah, and it was different. I mean, that's a great point. And what made me think of, you know, the the John John Gavier thing, because I was thinking like, okay, Andy at his height, height, and Kelly at his height, height, like who was higher? Because, you know, of course, longevity, Kelly, you know, has been around for longer. So I was just trying to think about that. And then I sort of switched over. But honestly, like Jeb, like the way Andy used to act, you can't get away with that anymore. Like, it was different with Andy because you never knew if he was going to high five you and go, what's up? Like, or he was going to be like really, like really eggy and really pissed and think like you did something to him. Like I, I, I vividly, I, I, you know, my own experiences, but others. So I think there was time that sort of heated that rivalry because I think there was times where Kelly was like, dude, this guy, my friend, or he's like my, like, there were times where I'm Kelly, like didn't even know sometimes. And I, I could sympathize with that. I was like, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that, that knew Andy that didn't know if he was, uh, what kind of response they were going to get, you know? So that, that did fuel that, right. That did fuel that he, you know, um, of course there was times where that, you know, fueled his fire and he fed into, which was great and all those things. But you just don't get away with that stuff anymore. With social media and stuff, like the, the, sh- the shit that he would do, it would be hard to get away with. It yeah. really would. That's such a good point. And you know, you, the, I don't think there is characters on tour anymore that were as raw as Andy Irons. And that's probably why we don't seem to get the the, the heated rivalries. I mean, like y- Idolos and, and, and Jadsons and those guys, yeah, there's, there's definitely an element of rawness to them. And, um, I mean, yeah, Idolo definitely has it in him to, to, to fucking lose your shit pretty, pretty well. But, um, yeah, a- Andy was just a, a different beast, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a, he was a different beast and it was a different time that sort of, uh, you know, did help, help fuel that for sure. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, now, you know, now we're in a time where that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for, you know, we're constantly scouring, like, where's, who's authentic, who's raw, who's that, because we just don't get it anymore. Like we're starving for it. Right. 
Mm, mm. And what about Kelly, man? I mean, any memorable uh, heats with him over the years? And what was your relationship like with him? I mean, both being from Florida, was there a, an element of camaraderie there? It was – I mean, it was tough for me because he, he – like, dude, he kicked my ass, like, so many times in Fiji. I mean, I think I had – three finals with him in perfect ways and he would take off on a wave and I just it, it, like every time I, I just it was a nine or a ten I'm just like what the flip dude this guy like stoked he does his best surfing against me and if I don't play a perfect heat so um as far as my um the one moment where I got him good at Karamas in really good waves you know, honestly, I didn't. I don't even remember when the waves are crappy and I lose or I win or whatever. I didn't, didn't even really remember. But I remember he just kicked my butt so many times, and I, I and I wore it pretty bad. You know, I was like, dude, man, this is just this is tough to keep taking. Um, uh, but I got him once, but he pretty much owned me. Um, and you know, it's a friend. It's a you know, it's a friendship with, obviously. But he was older, and I felt like you know, um, that's kind of what it was like someone you're friends with that, but you know, but you're not really close with, like they're sort of a little bit older, you know, they, they kind of, you, you don't really totally let you in and you're not totally letting them in. It's not like there's any, you know, there's not, nothing bad. It's all good, good stuff. But um, it wasn't really close is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And uh, who were you close with though? Obviously you br- having your brother there on tour. Um, man, that, that must've been so helpful just to to have like a, a sounding board and, and it must have been quite comforting um just to have yeah someone you're so close to right there with you yeah you know i mean those those beginning year i mean we became really close with bobby you know mm. um and then you know bobby's just one of those guys where he doesn't let a lot of people in but you know when he does let someone in like it's pretty it's a uh, pretty you know it's it's pretty it's a real relationship, I should say, you know, I mean, it's a very real, very real sort of brotherhood, you know, um, obviously. And I, and I'm so stoked that there's still a relationship. Obviously I still get pumped to hear that, you know, uh, you know, Damo's up at his house or, or Bobby's down at his or whatever it looks like. So it's, it's cool that the, the relationship still really good friends with Brett. Um, Simpson. And then, yeah, Brett Simpson, really, really enjoy him. Uh, yeah, you know, it sort of can't come and goes, but uh, and I love the Australians. I think, you know, um, there was there was really good, you know, a lot of respect, I think, between both sort of parties. I really um, enjoyed how you guys competed and how you love sport, and I thought that was something that I could bring on to, to, to be better. Um, I think there was a good understanding that um, was, you know, respected each other and stuff like that. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. Yeah. Sick, man. And before I let you go, I know you got to go um, pick, pick your, your kids up. Um, uh, is it, how many kids have you got? Three girls. Three girls. Yeah. yeah wow. Amazing, man. How, I mean, geez, that must uh, talk about, you know, motivation and, uh, you know, just reasons to, to get up and embrace life every morning. That must get you fucking flared up. No, I mean, there's no, I'm definitely like, I can be extreme to a, to a fault, to, to a bad way. Um, but no, man, I've, I'm in this season. I love it. And 
I, I'm not missing anything. Like I really, and you know, when the third one comes around and you're, you got other businesses and, and all that other good stuff, it's, I'm, but not only do I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm giving it a hundred, hundred percent, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get there, bro. It is really between work and all your own crap and everything. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm actually surprised I got to this spot. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to even explain it either. I know it sounds like I'm probably talking like a weirdo right now, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. I, I didn't know it could be this good. I didn't know it could be this good, man. This is some of the best, best seasons of the, you know, best, best seasons of my life here. And I'm not even surfing that much, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting, man. So, like, you just get that much satisfaction from from wholesome family life. I mean, th- that's rad. That that that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, like I get amped to cook food. You know, um, I get amped to I get amped to go go work, man. I get amped to wake up at five in the morning and hammer away on work and and just 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 have a healthy balance, man. Is really. Um, but I don't know. They're different seasons, right? And you sort of just want to try to live the season that you're in and um, not think about like, oh, what could I? That's what I mean. I was like, oh, I don't even really know that person anymore because like when you really dial in the season that you're in, you kind of don't even really remember the, the guy that was in the other season. <laughs> and you're kind of looking forward to the next one too, a little bit too. So that's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to going, you know, surfing a lot more and everything when my kids get older. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, where are you getting your feel surf-wise? Uh, are you able to sneak off for, for any trips to the, I mean, I guess the Caribbean's probably the, the closest place um, with, with world-class waves? Yeah, I don't, you know, I just I just sort of noticed that as long as I sort of take care of my body and don't get like too fat over like, you know, 165 or even I'm like 167 right now, but um, as long as I it's weird, man. I mean, I can still surf. I'm not, I'm not great, but I, I, I can still surf. It always surprises me. I'm like, wow, you know? Um, so I don't get my fix that much, but I know that I can still do it. So I know that when they, when they get older and, um, that I got more time to do it, then I, I feel like I can still be able to surf. And look at Kelly and look at Michael Ho and look at these guys, man. They're still killing it. I'm like, all right. There's no way I could lose it that much and just never be able to get it back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful. Man, <laughs> it must be surreal watching Slater still winning pipe comps at freaking 50. Bro. I mean, how old are you? Uh, 35. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, man, you could probably pull most 50-year-olds and, um, and it, it's pretty wild. To, to see what those guys are doing, man. Your body just like when you barely fall, your body just like tenses up. It's just like we. It's just like different reactions that your body does about like falling and, and getting hurt and stuff at that age. You know, not that I'm fifty, but like I can imagine like how the heck is he doing it, man? It's crazy. Like when I reflect on your career and you know, sixteen years at the top level, like what a stint that is. But man, Kelly's first world titles in what like ninety <laughs> two. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, there's no words. There isn't, dude. There isn't any words, man. I don't know. You could do a poll on most 50 year olds and they're just like, what? I don't even know how. But, dude, you got to die. I mean, that's a good point, though. He hasn't missed a beat. Like, he's, 
he's constantly working on the craft, constantly working on the body, constantly. I mean, he sacrificed a lot of things to be able to do what he did. So uh, I'm, I'm, we're just stoked we can enjoy it, right? That's it, man. Well, um, I wish you all the best, Sage. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Uh, you were one of the heroes of... Uh, you know, my teenage years and uh, yeah, great to watch all your, uh, you know, all these surf parts as well, your free surf parts in, in campaign and the, the globe vids. Um, I mean, yeah, just, you know, one of the real innovators. We didn't really get to touch on all the, the aerial innovation and uh, stuff like that, but that was um, a huge part of what made you so popular with, with my generation. No, well, like I said, dude, I think it just was the best time to grow up and be a surfer. I just, I really think on every sort of level and it's, it's honestly, man, not to get on a bad tip, but like, I'm feeling for the surfers, man. Like you talk to them, they're just like, they're not that stoked, man. On, you know, and I I feel, and as a fan of surfing, I'm like, I try to put words or try to sort of orientate myself. Like, okay, why do I feel uh, the way I feel right now when I'm watching this, you know? And I think, the way I've sort of told myself and sort of, you know, drink, drink, sort of swallowed it or gotten it down is I just feel like surfing's going through and is continuing to go into this transition, kind of like we saw like snowboarding where they went to like, okay, now it's an Olympic sport. Now it's all these things. And then, they, and then we got these sort of massive events that are like, you know, visa sponsored and then commercialized to the max. And then, you know, on the other end of it, we have like natural selection. And I think, I don't think surfing has gotten there yet, but I think that's why there's, why we're going through this transition. I think that's kind of why I have a little bit of crappy taste in my mouth all the time, because I'm just like, all right, will you just WSL, will you just get to like four grand slams events through the year? And I mean, dude, these surfers just had like six months off. They don't even know what to do with themselves. Mm. we're we're like literally finding our way and i'm just like okay like let's just get there as fast as we can because i want to know that there's core rat ass events that like surfers are putting on and it's just it's so old school and then you guys and then they can have their you know olympics they can have their three or four massive events of the year whatever you want to call them and then at least we can watch those and enjoy those, but still get what, still get, you know, what we want. Right. Um, and I, we just haven't gotten there yet. And I'm, it's frustrating. So so you you feel like it's, um, it's kind of become a bit vanilla and, and sanitized and corporate. I, I I think everything goes that way over time. It has to be a commodity. They Mm. have to figure out how to, you know, get every last penny out of everything. Like that's just what, that's what marketing does. That's what, that's what everything does, but you know, all the things that happens and that's what sport, that's what sports does. Like I said, like that's, it's not a bad thing. That in, that in itself is not the worst thing, but the transitioning of getting there from where we were to getting to where they want to go to is, is kind of painful at times. And, and, and and I say that because like I talk to guys like Connor Coffin and mm. I'm like, it's not like, oh my gosh, sickest career ever. Like that was so sick. And it was sick, right? But it's just they're caught in a period of time where surfing is doing a massive transition from, 
you know, uh, you know, figuring out how to be a, a, a commoditized in a very, you know, um, you know, level that, you know, it used to be commoditized, but it was like billabong and it was, it was in house. Right. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the best way I understand surfing right now that makes me enjoy it because if I don't find that, um, that sort of orientation, I, I end up, I end up hate, I end up not liking it at all. I end up just going, this, this is crap. These guys don't like what they're doing. You know, every once in a while they get thrown a bone with good waves. But besides that, they're just, they're, they're not stoked, man. They're not frontier. They're not on this adventure. They're not, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, shoot me down if I'm wrong here, but kind of. Yeah, I don't think they've nailed it, the WSL, at this point. And it, it's surfing, like the tour surfing, it seems like it's always in a transitional period. Like they, they never seem to stick to a a, a tour schedule or um, a, a tour format for very long. It's constantly changing. You know, it's constantly going from uh, yeah, ASP to, to WSL and the new formats and like now the final five format and it's at trestles like in sh- pretty shitty little waves and yeah i don't know it's just like a constant tinkering um to, to, to kind of creates a i don't know like a a, a lack of stability or like yeah and I, I just don't think they've nailed the format um and uh, yeah it's it's getting you know the wsl being run out of california and uh, it's kind of like become this quite a corporate entity as opposed to what you're saying when I'm not saying it was necessarily better when it was run by the companies, the events and that like that had its own, its problems too. But um, yeah, it it, it seems like we're still struggling to find that format that, that, that both makes it a a commodity that's popular with the masses, um, but retains like the cultural kind of core component that made it sick during the early stages of your career when you had all those raw characters and uh, there was a lot of just rawness to competitive surfing. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's, yeah, definitely the the last couple of years of uh, those trestles climaxes have left me pretty underwhelmed, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's like, you, you know, if, if every single, you know, around every corner we're pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and, and, and whittling and pivoting and whittling, it's just like, whoa, what, what, just rip off the Band-Aid already, dude. Like, let's get to where you want to go. <laughs> like, how many times are you going to pivot? Like, just go there. And then so we can make sense of it and, and get back what, what maybe like me or you sort of are, are hungry for, right? What do you reckon is the the antidote, or what's the what what should they be doing? I, I asked Kelly this on a show, and um, just what he thought was the the best format, and he was like, he actually thought that the original format of having the top sixteen and then the bottom sixteen kind of competing to get into the each event um, was probably the the best best way to do things. I mean, what are your thoughts on on just what would create the the best tour spectacle? I mean, a good leader that like knew exactly where he wanted to go and how he was going to get there, you know, and I, I, I just don't know. I just don't think we've had that. We don't, we don't have someone that knows exactly the destination, you know? I mean, I know the de- destination is to figure out how to make money. Um, 
but that's not that's not a leader like that's not so i don't have an answer i don't have to i'm not sitting here saying like okay this is the best format that you can get um the best format that you can give me is something that puts the best surfers a la gabriel medina and john john florence against each other Mm. you know a, a, a few times a year um and you know, just give the fans what they want. I mean, they, they, you know, and, and that's just not happening. Right. So we get such little morsels of, of food. We're just like little Tweety birds, just like waiting all the time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Put, put it this way. I don't know what the best format and I'm not even asking for the best format. I'm just asking for where the hell are we going? Why do we pivot every second? And just have the best surfers in really good ways, man. I mean, I don't know. It's just probably back to just the freaking the the genius is in the simplicity, right? Like the full rabbit. Like let's put surfers in really good waves. Let's call it the Dream Tour. I mean, like, duh. <laughs> Seriously, that's all I was thinking the whole time you're talking. I'm like, oh, what you're saying is basically let's get Rabs back as the uh, president. I mean, Lisa was just like he never. He told you you want to get the best service in the best waves. He clearly didn't tell you how the numbers are. I mean, finding a thing of the rabbit telling us how good, uh, I mean, he just told us how good the waves were. That's all we wanted to hear. (laughs) Man, I was with him two nights ago, and uh, it's crazy. He's running an event that's on uh, right now, the the Usher Cup here up at at Snapper. Oh, I yeah, I saw something on that on, on social. Yeah, man. I don't know what that was. Dude, he is as astute and eloquent and on point as ever. And it actually kind of stupefies me that the WSL hasn't reached out to him and, and involved him in the decision-making process uh, when it comes to competitive surfing. He's the guy who, who basically godfathered it all. And he's still there. He's just hanging out there in his unit at Greenmount. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they could do worse things than, than reach out to Rabbit, actually. Yeah, but when your nurse, when your North Star is just telling someone how much the numbers are growing and all this stuff, it's like that's you know for someone like me and you, maybe we're just too close to the fire. We're like, nah, dude, just put freaking really good surfers in really good waves, and <laughs> don't worry about the rest, right? <laughs> but maybe that's you know maybe that's why they make money and um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not making money. <laughs> they're losing money is the last I looked. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of difficult times, I guess, for the for the WSL. But, uh, I mean, look, I'm always grateful for competitive surfing. And we've got John and Medina mm-hmm. both fit and raring to go this year. We've got Katie Simmons and Carissa and Steph going for, what is that, world title number nine? Yeah, wow. So uh, this year's looking yeah, good in I terms mean- of personnel. No, for sure. And the girls will continue to break some crazy barriers here and we'll, and it will continue to grow and grow. And everyone's sort of seen that and the, and the young girls and, and we're thankful that they put on the contest and all those things. I, I wasn't saying that I wasn't trying to beat a, a guy. Why I was just saying, let's get to where we're going. And so we can have that side of it and then we can start building the other side of it. Right. Like, you know, like, you know this contest that, that you mentioned rabbits doing and just stuff like that right we can have sort of both world worlds that can live pretty pretty nice because i think that's what we're trying to do and that's what that's what kind of seems to trying to happen but it's it's we just 
we haven't got there yet. Totally, totally. All right, man, I'll let you go, but uh, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you. And, yeah, uh, man. Take no, care. Thanks for waking up, bro. <laughs> yeah, you too, man. Hopefully to see you guys soon. Yeah. I'll see you again, man. It might, be a, it might be a while, but I'll, I'll run it all you guys again, so I'm, I'm looking sure. forward to that day. For sure, man. Yeah, that'll be good, man. Appreciate it, bro. All right, well, you enjoy yourself. Enjoy your weekend. You too, man. Take care.